It is so great to be here with you, Sisterhood Ladies. Last week, you heard from Pastor Becca, and one of the things that I love about Pastor Becca is that she establishes the culture of what sisterhood will be, that it is a place for us to grow in the things of God. It is a place to grow in community. It is a place to be reminded of who God says we are, which is really convenient because that's what we're going to be talking about today is our identity in Christ, our identity in him. She talked about the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul the city of Ephesus, and how that place impacted the world in which we got to hear about last week. And so we're going to continue to hear about from Ephesians. Pastor Becca read to us Ephesians 1.3, which tells us that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And so we are going to talk about some of those blessings tonight. And as I was preparing and reading through the notes and reading God's word, there was just, there came a moment when I just thought, this isn't just something that is going to be delivered to my sisters in Christ. This is something that also Holy Spirit was highlighting to me. Please know that any time that you have teachers that are standing here and they're teaching the lesson, that we are also teaching the lesson to ourselves, that the Lord is using it to remind us of his truth. I don't know about you, but sometimes I forget the truth of God's word. How do you forget? You teach God's word because we live in this life. And sometimes we forget because we woke up late, our kids, do I need to say any more? And that is okay because God is so gracious to remind us that we have indeed been blessed with every spiritual blessing. To start off with, we were created to be in him, in Jesus, in Christ. And being in him, it's our position and it establishes our status or our condition being in the body of Christ. Position is being placed someplace. Before Jesus, you were in the position of the kingdom of darkness. I'm sorry to break it to you, but you were bad like I was bad before we came to Jesus. We were in darkness. And then after Jesus, we were placed or positioned in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. Our condition completely changed coming to Jesus. Your condition may have been depressed and now you have hope. Your condition may have been, I have no faith and now you are full of faith. Your condition may have been, I was depressed and now you have joy that you can't even explain because of what the Holy Spirit has done in you. Another picture of our position is just being in the body of Christ. I don't know if you have a favorite part of your body. Maybe it's your eyes. Maybe it's your legs. Maybe it's your arms. Maybe it's your hair. Maybe you name it. Some people have beautiful feet. I'm not necessarily one of those people. Sorry, I'm thinking about my father, my brother, and my husband. They are not those people either. Love you guys if you're seeing this. But we have been placed within the body of Christ. Romans 12, 5 says, So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So even though we're individuals, together we are the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 and verse 27 says again, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Salvation is what causes us to be part of the body of Christ. If you are sitting in the room, if you are listening right now and going, I don't know if I'm a part of the body, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, you're in. 
Your position has been changed. You are in the kingdom of God. You are a daughter of God. John 15, 5, this is one of my favorites, says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, that's if we remain in Jesus and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. My pride kind of takes a hit when I hear this because I'm a pretty independent person. I was single for all of my 20s, so I had to do a lot of things on my own. I didn't have to change my tire because usually there was somebody who would come along and change my tire for me, and that only happened one time, so I don't know if that's a pattern. That's just how it worked out. But everything else... I did on my own, but did I really do it on my own or was God so kind and gracious as to send someone to help me? Or was God so kind and gracious that the community that he placed me in to give me the wisdom to know the things that I needed to do for whatever situation I was facing? There isn't anything that God asks us to do that we do on our own. We cannot breathe, exist, grow, have a sound mind. And by sound mind, I really mean like not be crazy, except that the Lord by his Holy Spirit makes it so. We cannot be saved without God. We cannot be filled with his Holy Spirit without him. We cannot pour out into others without him. There is nothing that we can do. And that's not to beat ourselves up. That's to remind us to stay plugged in, to stay connected to the vine who is Jesus. We cannot love him, ourselves, or others without him. If anything, it should take us off the hook of, I got to figure this out. No, 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 no. We get to lean in to who God is. God, I cannot do this on my own. Fill in the blank on what this is. I cannot approach this thing at work. I cannot navigate this relationship. I cannot go and meet my new neighbors or go have the hard conversation with my family member. But you can and I'm connected to you. And because I'm connected to you and I'm a part of you, I can do this thing that you have placed in front of me. Galatians 3 verses 26 through 29 talks about people becoming the children of God. I especially love this verse because it comes against cultural norms and barriers at the time. It comes against those things that govern ethnicity, societal status, and gender. All of that is removed so that we can become children of God. Because if you'll think back to the first century church, women, sisters, friends, it was hard for us. But in Jesus, there is value for us. In Jesus, we carry the authority of the king. In Jesus, we are a vital part of the body of Christ. Slave or free is what this verse talks about. And in that society, if you were owned by somebody else, you were very limited in the rights and privileges that were afforded to you. But in Christ, you are the Lord's free man. And so I love that the Apostle Paul talks about the things that happen in society that they do not dictate who we are in Christ because we are all children of God when we receive his free gift, which is a caveat there. We must receive the gift that Jesus has made available to us because we were created to be in him. We were also created to be in him as his chosen daughters. Ephesians 1.4 says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In the Amplified Version, it says, just as in his love, he chose us in Christ, actually selected us for himself as his own before the foundation of the world so that we would be holy, that's consecrated, set apart for him, purpose-driven and blameless in his sight. 
Ephesians 1, 11, and 12 tells us that in him we were also chosen, having been predestined, that's pre-chosen, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And then the verse goes on to say that we were included, those of us, because I'm not an apostle. I don't know about you. I wasn't part of the original 12. (laughs) That was a really long time ago. And so I love the fact that Paul is talking about those of us who believed first, he didn't stop there. He continued to say, and also those of us who believe will be included in Christ when we receive the message of truth. Here's a little Greek lesson for you. Guys, I went online to find out how to say this word. So let's see how we do. Ex excelzato. We're going to go with it, which is to pick out for myself, choose, or select. And so I want to talk to the people in the room that when you were a child, you weren't chosen. Remember PE class, kickball, dodgeball, whatever kind of ball game that you were playing, and the teacher would choose someone, choose two captains, and then they would choose people. I want to speak to you. I want to speak to the one that you haven't been chosen to be someone's spouse. You haven't been chosen to be someone's mother. It does not mean that you have not been chosen because God's word says in him you are chosen. It doesn't matter the circumstances that happened to you when you were a child. It doesn't matter the circumstances that happened to you last week. You have been chosen by God. You are his daughter. When were you chosen? Before the foundation of the world. Nancy and Karen talked about that earlier today. We were chosen before the foundation of the world. Genesis 1-2 tells us that the earth was formless and void and darkness hovered over the waters of the deep and the spirit of God hovered over the waters. Before that, God said, I choose her. She is going to belong to me. I have purposes for her so that she will glorify my name and serve those that I put her in proximity to because she is special. I have made her a particular way so that she will bring glory to my name. I choose her. Ephesians 1.4 also tells us that we were chosen before the foundation of the world. Why were we chosen? To be holy and blameless. Sometimes when I think about the word holy, I think too much about perfection. But holy means to be set apart for a specific purpose. There are things in our lives that we use for a specific purpose. There might be that special pair of shoes that you only wear for a specific purpose. That special jewelry, a particular fragrance that you might wear, a particular meal that you make. You might have the meal that you make because you got to break bad news or the meal that you make because you want to celebrate something. We have been set apart for a special purpose, which, as we talked about earlier, can only be accomplished in Christ. There isn't anything that God has spoken to us. Some of you may have received a word from the Lord of encouragement of, this is the thing that you're going to do. This is what I see in you. This is the character I see in you. When you receive that prophetic encouragement, it's not to make you think, okay, now I have to figure out how to do it. No, no. You've been set apart by a holy God to be holy for him. To be righteous 
is to be without blame. And this is what I love. Our righteousness, God's word tells us, is like filthy rags. We won't get into what specifically those filthy rags are, but I want you to think about that certain seven to eight days, maybe some of you four to five days that come on a monthly rotation. You were there? You know what I'm talking about? Our righteousness is as filthy rags, and that is the actual meaning of those rags. That is how bad our righteousness is compared to our God. Portia, why would you say that? That makes me feel really, really bad. I'm not trying to make us feel bad. I want us to understand what he has done for us when he has made us his righteousness through Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us that he, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us so we could become the righteousness of God. We have become the righteousness of God because of what Jesus did. 1 Peter 1.23 tells us that we have been born again of incorruptible or eternal seed. We've been born again. John 3.3, this is when Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night and says, tell me about the kingdom of God. And Jesus says to him, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, just to be clear, we are not talking about becoming infants again and coming through our mother's wombs, but spiritually reborn. Because when we are born, our spirits are dead. Because sin entered into the world, everybody is born into this world with a spirit that is not alive. But God, in his graciousness, made a plan. We've talked about that we were chosen before the foundations of the world. Did you know that Jesus also, the plan of salvation, was before the foundations of the world? Because God is all-knowing. He knew how things were going to go. I don't, it's because I'm not God. Sometimes I try to even a little bit think, what would it be like to know everything that there ever was to know? I think my head would just go, right? I struggle with the things that I know now that sometimes my head feels like it's going to explode. Let's just start with schedules, right? There's my schedule. There's my husband's schedule. There's my children's schedule. I sometimes keep up with other people's schedules. So just scheduling alone, if you are a double X person in the room, it is a lot. And our God is capable of maintaining all knowledge that there ever was and there ever will be. And he knew that we were going to need a savior. And so while he chose us, he also made provision for us before the creation of the world. Ezekiel 36, 26, it's God talking to his people. Now, side note, his people are the people of Israel. And I love that God made a way for us. I don't know if anybody is of Jewish descent here in the room, but he has made a way for us to be his people by accepting his son, Jesus. He says to them, I will give you a new heart, a heart of flesh rather than stone. And then 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone, anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So we've been created in him. We've been created to be in him as his chosen daughter. We've been chosen by him. And so because we've been chosen, the result or the what of our being chosen by God is that we've been adopted. We've been adopted to be his sons and daughters. Ephesians 1 verses 5 and 6 in the Amplified says, he predestined and lovingly planned for us to be adopted to himself as his own children 
through Jesus Christ, in accordance with the kind intention and good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace and favor, which he so freely bestowed on us in the beloved, his son, Jesus Christ. John 1.12 tells us that as many has received him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Now I'm going to geek out here on this next section because this gives us some insight into the history that was happening in this time in the Roman Empire um, during the time of the Ephesian church. And that was, um, you could disown your biological child. I will not confess to ever having that thought. But what you could not do is if you adopted a child, you could not disown them. And I thought about it like this. Stay with me here. When you have a child, there isn't anything that you choose about the child, except that maybe, maybe we are going to have a child. If you choose to adopt a child, you are choosing to bring that person into your family. And so I find it really fascinating that at this day, that this wasn't Jewish culture, but this was Roman culture, that this is an example that Paul gave. So think about it. At this time, we have Jewish believers and we have non-Jewish believers. And there was some friction that happened. All you have to do is read the New Testament and you see friction that happened between the Jews and the Gentiles. And the continuing message is we are all one in Jesus Christ. And to give this example, it was like a nod to those that did not grow up in the Jewish faith to say, you were chosen, you were adopted, you are part of the family of God, just like the natural born children of Israel, you are part of the family of God when you accept Jesus as Lord. There may be someone under the sound of my voice right now that you feel like mm, the decisions and things that I have made, yeah, I grew up in church, I know the truth, but I've really messed up. Because you have been adopted into the family of God, you have not been rejected. God will not reject you as his daughter. He will not reject you as his child. Forever and always, always and forever, his love and mercy and compassion are for you. Whether you receive it or not, it is available to you. And the cry of our heart, the prayer for every woman is that they would receive the truth that God loves them and that he chose them and that he will not leave them. You have the rights and privileges of the child of God. Think about this. When you go to your parents' house or whoever somebody is that you're very close to, um, when you walk into their house, you probably don't have to ask, can I go get something out of the refrigerator? When I go to my parents' house, one of the first things I do is check the fridge just to see what's in there. Is there something I can grab real quick? And then I would walk around the house to see if anything was different in the decor. And then, because I'm a daughter and I had a stylish mother, I would hit her closet just to see if there is anything. It's the coolest thing when you're packing to go to your family's house when that is the type of relationship. I didn't have to bring near as many clothes. Why? Mama's closet, right? Don't have to worry about what we're going to eat. There's going to be food in the pantry. There's going to be food in the refrigerator. Hear me. We have the rights and privileges of the king of all creation. We actually can walk around with a little bit of swagger, not pride, but a knowledge and a knowing my daddy is king. 
My daddy owns the cattle on a thousand hills. My daddy is the great physician. My daddy is the one who brings hope and encouragement to anybody who comes to him. My daddy is the one who gives peace, not like the world gives, but a peace that is everlasting. My dad is the one who gives me joy, that gives me strength in the middle of my circumstances. My dad is the one who gives me promises that are yes and amen in Jesus Christ because I have the right and privileges of the daughter of the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. We have been created to be in him. We have been chosen to be his daughters. We've been chosen to be holy. We've been chosen to be set apart. We've been chosen to be righteous. In him, we are redeemed. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches, with the riches, with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. God is not stingy with us. He lavishes his grace on us. And something that I think will be a life lesson for me is to receive his grace and give his grace. Receive his grace and give his grace. Receive his grace and give his grace. And if I could be oh so honest with you today, the giving of grace, often it's a grace that I need to give to myself. As women, I think men too, but especially as women. I'll speak on behalf of women because I am one. We can be the most ungracious to ourselves. But we have been given much grace from our Heavenly Father. He has lavished us with His grace, with wisdom and understanding because he has redeemed us. He has bought us back. He has released us from blame or debt. He has freed us from the consequence of sin. But you don't know what I did. It is covered under the blood of Jesus. He does not see you as you once were. You have been made alive in Jesus Christ. You have been redeemed. 2 Corinthians 5.17, again, it says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You have been redeemed. First Peter 1, or verses 18 through 21 says, For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors. I got time to say this. I don't know what's in your family line, but in the name of Jesus, strongholds can be broken because of the decisions that you are making and how you are living your life under the promises of who God is and who he says you are. My father was an alcoholic. You are not an alcoholic. There is mental health issues in my family. That is not your story. We always struggled with poverty. That is not your story. Our pa- our, my parents were divorced, so of course I will get divorced. That is not your story. You've been redeemed from the empty way of your life, inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, Like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. You have been redeemed. Isaiah 53, 4 through 6, this is such a beautiful passage. Surely he, Jesus, took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by men and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace 
was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What Jesus endured for us, this is not gonna be a grammatically correct sentence, was not for nothing. What Jesus endured for us was because he chose us, because he saw us, because he loved us so much that he was willing to endure our suffering and our pain, our payment for sin, so that we did not have to live under the consequences of sin because we have been redeemed. You have been redeemed. We've heard this before, but I want to say it again. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When we know our identity is in Christ and when we know what he has done for us, we will walk differently. We will speak differently. We will pray differently. We will love differently. Because when you know that you have been redeemed, when you know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, when you know that you are a daughter of God, it puts a different spring in your step. So that when the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, does the things that he does. You will remember, you are defeated, enemy. You have no authority in my life. No weapon that has been formed against me or my family or the things that I touch will prosper in the name of Jesus. I might not be seeing the answer to prayer that I've been praying for, but I believe and I trust in the God who has redeemed me, set me free, called me his, chosen me. So therefore, I'm going to stand on what his word says back up because we have that authority as the daughters of God. We can be um, gentle. We can be calm. <laughs> I'm laughing because of how I'm talking right now. But we are strong. You are strong. You are mighty and you have been set apart. In him, you are God's masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The more that you meditate on what God has done for you, the more that there will be a natural outworking, not because you're trying to earn your salvation, you can't, but because you are walking in the fruit of the salvation that you have received, you will do the good works that God has placed before you. And then finally, Ephesians 3.20, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Ladies, our identity is in him. We are his daughters. We have been chosen. We have been set apart to be holy and righteous before him because he has redeemed us so that we can do the works that he has established for us to do. Amen? Amen.